Okay, one other thing from Friday, and we'll get to the game on Saturday, the game on Sunday. First play of the game, Brandon Nimmo hits a ground ball to shortstop. He clearly beats it. I don't think there's any question. The first base umpire, David Rackley, calls him out. Buck Showalter challenges it. And even after we see that Nimmo is safe, the umpires don't overturn it. And that was a theme from this weekend. We saw two plays in which unequivocally, the other one was the Pete Alonzo play. And I, I apologize. I forget which day it was. I don't think it was the same Friday night game because they didn't It was Saturday. Them. It was Saturday. Yeah. Pete Alonzo is clearly safe. Or, I'm sorry, the first baseman comes off the bat. That, and it's not even particularly close. And it was Garrett Cooper who was playing first base. Mets challenge it. Clear as day. Mets are going to win the challenge. And twice now, we've seen MLB review uphold calls that are clearly wrong. And I'm getting a little worried, Pete, because this reminds me of the NFL when the NFL basically had the edict of pass interference. We're not over, over gonna, we're not going to overrule anything unless it's over the top bad. Now, I didn't think the Nimmo one was over the top bad, but he clearly was safe. The Alonzo one, Pete, was over the top bad because Cooper's foot is not on the base. It's clear as day. A hundred percent. And I couldn't believe it. And you listen to, I don't know if you were watching, listen to where you were watching the game or whatever, but you listen to Gary, Keith, and Ron, and they're just like, oh, his foot's so off. It's going to be easily overturned. And when the, when the umpires say it stands, they were like, what the hell? What did you just watch? What did we just witness? What do we experience just now that they called that safe? That they, I mean, they called that, that, that the play stands. To me, that's it's egregious. It, it is – you're right. If it's some play on the MLB saying we really don't want to turn, turn over plays as much, it's going to be a bad look all season long. It's going to be scary. You, you got to fix what's clearly wrong. That's my attitude. Now, I know they're trying to speed up reviews. So one of the new wrinkles to this year is that the manager immediately has to signal we're thinking about reviewing it. They've got 15 seconds. And then they either review it or they don't review it. And that's totally fine. And I think the reason they want to do that is because they don't want kind of the, the nitpicking of challenges. But these are nitpicks. Like, both calls were wrong. To me, the second one was more egregious than the first one. So if you're going to review it, you got to fix it if the call's wrong and both calls were wrong. Right. And then, uh, you know, we knew that the Pete Alonso, again, Pete Alonso was totally off. And later on in the game, they made a play at first base and Alonso swiped uh, and got the, basically got the runner out, I think, at first base. But they had no more challenges. The, the, challenges, were, the challenges were done. So that's the other thing. So when Buck uses that challenge early, on Friday night, he's done because if there's, and that's why I think you got to be more strategic, even if you think, because you never know what the first batter of this game is going to do. If you overturn a ground out into an infield single, I acknowledge that could turn into a seven run inning. Baseball is a crazy game, but do you really want to risk not having another challenge for a maybe bigger play in the fifth or sixth inning? So I kind of disagree with Buck that he even, through that challenge, through the proverbial challenge flag, there is no challenge flag, but you guys know what I mean. I, I don't know if it's worth it when you do it at that point in the game. But I, we got to keep an eye on this, not just for the Mets, but throughout Major League Baseball. Are they not going to overturn calls? Is that what we're noticing from the first four-game series of the year where there were two egregious mistakes or one egregious mistake, one mistake, and they never fixed it? That, that we have to keep an eye on. Now, I'm also very curious. 
as we look at game two of this series, Mets are one and one on the season. It feels like a game they better win or Met fans are going to panic all over the place. God forbid Edward Cabrera shuts him down for six innings. It's panic city. But you and we're going to find out if Pete Hoffman's a hypocrite right now. It's going to be fascinating. Okay. We're going to play a game. Is Pete Hoffman a hypocrite? You ready? So Pete and I just had a little uh, discussion about David Peterson, where I thought he pitched really well, showed some balls, battled through five innings. And Pete's like, nah, not impressed. He was bailed out by his defense. Okay. On Saturday afternoon, how did Tyler McGill pitch, in your opinion? Go ahead. In my opinion, I guess I'm going to be a hypocrite because I thought he pitched great. <laughs> I thought he pitched phenomenal. I thought he had, he got what we got what we needed out of Tyler McGill, and I think he pitched a good game. Didn't allow a lot of base runners, and that's what I was looking for. What? No, 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 no. Tyler McGill allowed eight base runners through five innings. David Peterson allowed nine base nine. runners. Nine in five innings. <laughs> Tyler McGill allowed two runs. Both came on the Nick Fortes two-run home run. David Peterson allowed one run. Okay? I would argue their outings were very similar. Okay? Very similar. Peterson put one more guy on base, but he also allowed one fewer run to score. Both pitched five innings. Both kept their teams in the game. How could you say McGill was considerably better? What the hell would it be based on other than the fact that you're a McGill stand? So, okay, where I will say this is the defense, I think, really saved Peterson a lot from big from big innings. So I don't think the defense on Saturday had to make bigger plays. I really don't think. Like, I mean, Alonzo made some great – and we'll get into the Alonzo thing in a second because I said something on air last night, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to come back, and I'm totally comfortable with it. But Alonzo play at first base, he's an MVP-type player now. He is elevated his game so much that he should be considered to be the MVP of the National League this year already in three games. But that being said, though, I think that they the defense need to help Peterson out a lot more. The defense was good on Saturday, but if it wasn't for the defense on Friday, Mets might have got blown out. All right. So here's again why you're wrong. Tyler, and by the way, I think both Peterson and McGill showed balls. I'm happy with both guys. There's no inconsistencies and I love the fact that both guys actually did put guys on base because they showed the guts to fight through it obviously ideally you want six scoreless innings nobody's on base we all understand that but I think both Peterson and McGill showed a lot of balls in their performances in Tyler McGill's case right out of the gate he's in trouble in the first inning gives up a leadoff hit to Luis Arise, who was on base 150 times this weekend. He walks Jazz Chisholm, two on, two out, big ground out against Brian De La Cruz. He gives up the two-run home run to Fortes in the second inning, fights through it, gets a big ground out of Jorge Soler. Fourth inning, gives up a one-out double, gets through it against the eight and nine hitters. Fifth inning, puts the leadoff guy on base. Then, and this is the moment of the game, gives up the double to Chaz Chisholm. They're second and third, two outs. The Mets are nursing a 4-2 lead, and Brian De La Cruz hits a ball in the hole at shortstop. It is an infield hit against, I would say, 70% of the shortstops in Major League Baseball. Watch this one, Pete. You like it. If Anthony Volpe is playing shortstop, it's an infield hit. I'm just kidding, Yankee fans. But Francisco Lindor shows poise, relaxed, makes a great play, a perfect throw, Nails De La Cruz at first base. Tyler McGill himself is bear-hugging Lindor. 
saying thank you. That's an infield hit. Four, three, two outs, first and third. Gene Segura coming up. He's probably out the game. So I thought defense, I don't want to say saved him because saved him maybe over the top, but made a very important defensive play to keep it at four to two and to get Tyler McGill out the game after throwing 93 pitches. Both guys, David Peterson and Tyler McGill, did their jobs. If they go five innings and allow one run or two runs for the next month, that's a victory. That is a huge win because that's realistically all you're really asking for. As much as we'd love to see seven scoreless innings, I'm not asking for that. Go pitch five innings, keep your team in the game, and if your team scores runs like they were able to do on Saturday when the Mets scored how many runs? One, two, three, four, six runs, you will win a baseball game. Good performance by both guys. No, and I, I get that. You're right. I, I, maybe I'm giving a, McGill a little bit more credit. I just felt like the, the defense on Friday – there, there was bigger moments that the defense really – I mean, the play at the play for McNeil was impressive. Yeah. And then without that, the, the game starts to get a little bit out of hand. So, McGill, it never felt like the game was going to get out of hand. Maybe that's the observation that I had. You're right. The base runners were pretty much similar. The, the other thing we saw, we certainly saw it on Saturday in game three of this series. We definitely saw it Sunday. We've seen it throughout this four-game series against Miami is how good this bullpen is. So, on Saturday – we got our first look at Dennis Santana, and he was great. Struck out two guys. We saw him again on Sunday, the only med pitcher to go back-to-back so far this year. But Santana was great. One, two, three inning. There was a great defensive play by, by your boy, Pete Alonzo, who I thought played very good defensively. Here's the thing I question about Pete. Uh, it's not a criticism of him. It's a criticism of the world, okay? Because I'm with you. If Pete has a year in which he hits 40 home runs, drives in 130 runs, and he's the best player, and let's say the Mets win 95 games, of course he should be an MVP candidate if his defense continues to improve. And I thought his defense last year was fine. That's the way I would phrase it. It was fine. Was he a gold glover? No, but I thought he was fine. For whatever reason, the defensive metrics, the war stat, have just never been kind to Alonzo. We spent some time talking about this last year on Rico Bronia, that for whatever reason, his war doesn't represent how good of a player he actually is with us getting to watch him every day. So what I wonder about, and this is going to be the key, Pete, to him ever winning an MVP, because it's not about me and you. It's about these dopey voters. Will the war stat be kinder to Pete Alonso? Will they recognize that his defense is better? And it's only been four games, but yes, it looks better. I expect it to be better. Well, and a lot of people were, were criticizing yesterday because I actually had this take. I was like, he's better than – he could be arguably better than Goldschmidt this year. Gold. If you look at his offensive production, first off, you just say, what's the key stat in baseball? Run scored. Well, Pete Alonso led the league in RBIs last year in 131. He's clutch. He's a clutch hitter. Again, on Saturday, he had a clutch two uh, a RBI double. It wasn't a home run that he hit. He's finding a way to put the bat on ball and scoring runs at opportune times. He, so he's he, so drawing a lot of walks, which is going to help, too through this four-game series. I think you get on base. Obviously, home runs, RBIs, we get it. You get on base. You improve your defense. Absolutely. But we're, we're four games into the year. Let's see what kind of year he actually has. Uh, but so far, so good. I'm certainly not complaining. The bullpen was great on Saturday. Dennis Santana, one, two, three inning. Drew Smith runs into trouble. But look at this. Look at this. The New York Mets have a left-handed reliever out of their bullpen 
that they trust. What a freaking concept. So when Jazz Chisholm comes up in the seventh inning with two men on base, tying run, 5-2 game, the Mets don't have to look at Joely Rodriguez and say, ah, screw it. Let's just keep this bad matchup in and hope that Drew Smith gets an out. Let's go to Adam Adovino, even though he's better against righties. They went to Brooks Raleigh, calmly got Jazz Chisholm to ground out. One batter, one out, big spot call today. Adam Adovino put a couple of guys on base, but he's able to get through the eighth inning. And then David Robertson with a very neat and tidy ninth inning, double play to end it. The Met bullpen looked very good on Saturday. Looked okay on Friday. I mean, the only the negative was obviously the home run that John Curtis gave up. And then you look at Sunday, Dennis Santana again, John Curtis, Steven Nagosik. The Met bullpen so far off to a great start. And here's my one, it's not a negative, but it, it's something you've said, Pete, already. You look at the depth of this bullpen. You look at Raleigh and Robertson and Adovino and even Dennis Santana. And you say to yourself, could you imagine if Diaz was healthy? Could you imagine all of those guys just trying to get to the ninth inning? Now, so far, David Robertson's been great in the ninth inning, so I'm not complaining. But if you had Edwin Diaz, you're pushing everything back in inning. But so far, one series against a light-hitting Marlin team, very good start from this bet bullpen. Love to see it. Yeah, and I know you say light-hitting, but they – they do have some special players on the team. It, like Luis Arai is going to be a pain in the ass for a long time. He is so good. I mean, I did how many? Did we get him out three times all all series? <laughs> he's good, man. He's he was great last year with Minnesota, and it took the Marlins a lot to go get him. I totally why get why they would want to do it. He's one of those guys where he's impossible to strike out. Very difficult to strike out. He puts the bat on the ball. He's a singles hitter, and I think that sometimes there's this negativity towards singles hitter. Wow, he doesn't hit home runs. If you can hit 330 and you're drawing walks and you're not striking out, you're an incredibly valuable player. And you're right. I mean, he he was a beast in this series. So uh, to your point, one thing that we haven't discussed yet, in four games, have you noticed more hits because of the lack of shift? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Like Because the one thing I've noticed is that Teams are shading their shortstops up the middle against a lot of these left-hand hitters. So for a while, a ball's hit back up the middle, and we would assume base hit. And for the last few years, we haven't because we just figure the shortstop's going to be standing there because of the shift. You can't do the exaggerated shift, but can you still have your shortstop basically behind the bag, essentially? Yeah. So I think a lot of those base hits are still being taken away. Um, I don't know. I... It's funny, over the first four games of this season, I've paid attention, obviously, to the pitch clock, to the aggressiveness on the base paths. I have not sat there thinking, and maybe I should, maybe I will as the season goes on, is that a base set with the shift? Is that not a base set with the shift? What's that with the shift? What's that with the shift? I haven't given a lot of thought, and, I, and I'm, I'm wondering why. Like, why has that not gone through my brain? And maybe it's because we went so many years without it where there wasn't a rule, but we didn't see exaggerated shifts for every single player. So I guess it feels more normal for it not to be there. And also because of what I just mentioned, that you've got shortstops right behind the bag anyway. So you're still cutting off those base hits. Those balls right back up the middle, you're still cutting off. Have you noticed anything? 
No, I've actually paid attention to some bigger hits in big time spots. I'm going like again, like Alonzo hit down the line for the RBI double on Saturday night's game. Like that was going to be a base hit no matter what. So in certain spots where there's been big time hits, those are still hits. It ha- it hasn't changed anything. Uh, and I think that if anything, the, the defense has gotten better. Like we talked about with Lador making those plays, plays are still being made. So it hasn't really affected too much with the lack of shift. We, we also, at least for the Mets and their opponents, we haven't seen the crazy shift taking the left fielder and putting him in short right. So far, the only guy I've seen that with is Joey Gallo, that teams have done that, or one team has done that, for Joey Gallo. But I'm also thinking that that's not going to be as beneficial as teams think. Because first of all, if you're putting your left fielder in short right field, it's a guy not used to playing that position. So unless it's the Yankees with Oswaldo, who's used to playing everywhere, it really doesn't make a lot of sense. Like if the Mets were doing it, Mark Tanna would be over there. That doesn't make a lot of sense. So we haven't seen that shift yet. But yeah, so through, through these four games, I didn't even think about it. I really didn't even notice it. 